Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. What's up, everyone? We are back for another episode of The Pair Program. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, uh, accompanied by my uh, podcast co-host, Mike Gruen. Mike, what's going on, bud? Not much. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I was reading an article this morning. Uh, You ever driven in a Tesla before? Uh, Yes. Okay. Um, So they don't quite have the self-driving function down yet, but it's something that they're they're working on in beta. And they rolled out a a commercial or a YouTube video from one of uh, the owner investors, released a video of them driving uh, their Model 3 towards one of their children uh, on like a San Francisco road. It was going right. slow, of course, but it shows the car like slowing down, not hitting his kid. Um, it it got pulled uh, pretty quickly <laughs> off YouTube. They're like, you can't allow content showing a minor participating in dangerous activities. I was like, give it, give them a maybe a, a thumbs up for the effort, but not the best. Actually, I don't know because now we're talking about it, aren't we? So Streisand effect in effect. Yeah, so there you that's go. True. <laughs> that's true. Cool. Well, let's give. Um, the listeners, a little heads up on today's episode. Uh, I am excited for this one. So we're calling it From Fang to Founder. Uh, and it's a discussion that could go down a few different paths. For example, you know, startups and big tech, of course, they have very different work environments. There's pros and cons to each. But for this episode specifically, you know, I want to look at this from the founder's perspective. Uh, you know, both of our guests are current startup founders. Uh, they both have experiences working for Fang companies like Google, Facebook. And we thought it'd be interesting to kind of hear it from them on, you know, what translates over as helpful or or maybe not so helpful when you're kind of launching your own startup. Uh, So I want to thank our two guests for joining us today. Uh, So I give David, thank you for spending time with us on the pair program. Thank you for having us. us. Good stuff. All right. So uh, let's dive in real quick to our our first segment called Pair Me Up. Um, Here's where we'll... Go around the room, shout out a complimentary pairing. Mike, you always start us off, so go ahead and, and uh, take so, yeah. off. Uh, going back to food, it's been a little while since I've done a food one. So, um, like, purely food, food one. Uh, so, Nutella and uh, Nilla wafers. Uh, my kids and I hit upon this mm-hmm. uh, last week. Last weekend, we were watching TV and wanted a quick snack. And I have to say, it went really well together. Made little sandwiches. They were like, uh, like a mm. uh, Milano cookie almost, but Nutella and vanilla so definitely good nutella nutella is underrated i think it's it's so good and like croissants or um is it underrated i feel like it's it's such an amazing food group that it's hard to believe anyone <laughs> would underrate it <laughs> maybe, maybe it's underappreciated maybe, maybe it doesn't have them underappreciated yeah. i never see it in somebody's like cabinets or anything whenever i go over i'm like you know it was big when, when i lived in asia it was a big big thing but i haven't seen it too much uh uh, around here. Well, you've got, you'll have to come by here and you'll, you'll see some Nutella in our cabinets for sure. <laughs> just really stock Nutella. And just Costco just runs. Nutella. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, all right, I'll, I'll jump in. So my pairing, uh, is back to school and new gear. Um, so it's that time of year where kids are going back to school. Uh, they need that new swag. I think back to, uh, you know, when, when summer's wrapping up, my mom would always take me to the mall. And we'd, we'd get like a new backpack 
and then a new outfit. And uh, I, I'll never forget she she once teed me up with uh, like a, a sweatsuit that was all you know same colored top and bottoms. Uh, one was all red, and then we got one that was all green. Uh, it's like third or fourth grade or something. And you know, I looked back at some of the pictures, and I had to wonder like kind of form of punishment she was putting <laughs> me through. Going into school looking like Ronald McDonald, but um, uh, yeah, I'd say back to school and new gear is is always something that I would associate with this yeah, time of year in the nice summer. Pairing, yeah. Um, cool. Let's let's toss it over to our guest. Um, so, I give if you want to give us a quick intro and then tell us your pairing, and then we'll kick it to David. Sure. So, yeah, I'm Sagiv, uh, the founder of Flip Lab. It's a company we started. Seven months ago, it's a developer tools company that offers SDKs for uh, companies' APIs. Well, we auto-generate SDKs from whatever API you have internally. Uh, before that, on the fan side, I, I actually worked in two different fan companies. One was Facebook and one was Amazon, and we will talk about it in a second. Uh, in terms of pairing, I would say Morning Walk uh, paired with audiobooks. I'm a huge mm-hmm. kind of... I, for me, I, I read really slow, but I, I listen really fast. So like always double the speed, but like combined with like a morning walk, especially for people who work from home, that's a way to kind of start your day. And like you used to walk to your office or commute to your office. So for me, that's like, that's the barrier between home and work. So when I come back from the walk, it's like I start working, but in between, I just lost, listen to some audiobooks. So yeah, that, that would be my pair. Very nice. That's a good one. Yeah, once once uh, the company went remote, right? I'm just the company. The world went remote. Um, I lo- I lost that uh, commuting ability to listen to like my podcast. So trying to find times throughout the day to to plug in those those little uh, audio um, uh, sessions is 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 tricky. Morning walks are a good one. Uh, Washing dishes will be another chance for you. Washing <laughs> dishes. <laughs> good call. Um, cool, David. Uh, how about yourself? Quick intro and your pairing. Yeah, it's funny because I actually um, I volunteer to walk the dog at night so I can listen to an audiobook. So we're we're pretty aligned there. But there the evening go. walks. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm Dave Yaffe. Um, I, I'm run a company called Estuary. We are a real time data company. We we believe it's way too hard to use real time data such that everyone believes you know that, that they don't need it when in fact it's actually a super valuable thing. It just has to be a lot simpler than the world makes it right now. Um, we got on this journey uh, from from a few other myself and my co-founder. We've worked together for a number of years. Um, we actually had done a company called Invite Media together, which got bought by Google. I was at Google for about five years, um, and then we had done another company called Arbor, which got bought by a non-fang, and I was there for a while too. Um, a company called LiveRamp, uh, and now we're here. And my pairing is. Um, they don't have to be good, right? They can be a bad pairing. They can be whatever you want. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the pairing is actually behind me. It's puppies and eating your couch. <laughs> um, so that's why there's a blanket over my couch right now. It's because our puppy ate that couch a while ago and I need to get a new one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of puppy are you working with? It's um, She's a golden retriever pit bull mix. So pretty okay. unusual puppy. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've gotten a uh, pretty used to um, call it dog proofing most furniture in our house, just because you know every every piece of furniture is covered with a blanket uh, or some sort of a, a cloth, just because it's either an accident or it's yeah, it's like a scratch or a bite or something. But I can I completely relate to you. 
Yeah, that's unfortunate. We really liked this one. It's a futon, you know. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get a new one. There you go. Cool. Well, let's let's dive in. I want to make the most of our time that we've got with you all. Um, and so, yeah, like I mentioned, we you know we're discussing you know Fang to founder and um, you know to to make the most of our time. And you guys kind of alluded to it briefly. Uh, maybe we can expand on it uh, quickly as well. Is you know, David, let's talk. Start with you. You know, you you started in bigger companies, your current role as co-founder of Estuary. Um, talk to us a little bit about that journey and then maybe some things that stand out to you as you're making those transitions from starting something up coming from bigger environments. Yeah, I actually, I think, you know, my earliest thing in my career was, was actually Boeing. So that's a huge company. Um, and I kind of just went, I flip-flopped every time I did something. So I went from you know Boeing to a startup, and then we got bought by Yahoo. Another startup got bought by Google. Another startup got bought by Libram. Um, and that means that you kind of um, just change the way that you know you're working, and you learn a lot of, along the way. Uh, startups tend to have an environment that I enjoy personally working in, um, such that it, it's easier to get stuff done a lot of the times. It's easier to affect change and affect big decisions. Um, Kind of the the easy things are easy in a startup, and the hard things are hard in a startup. Whereas a big company like Google, the the easy things are hard, and the hard things are easy. And you know, Google's a really good example of a place where you can do solve the most technically complicated problems in like no time with with no effort. But um, you know, getting getting decisions made and and get, getting people aligned around a course of action can be pretty difficult. So I think you know, for me, it's been flipping back and forth a little bit between those. And when you get tired of one, one environment, you kind of move to the other one. Um, but there's things you learn from both of them, right? Like I, I think our, my time at um, the, a large company like Google, it was really valuable for taking things that I wanted to ensure that were part of our companies now um, and, and using them the correct amount. Um, some things like I don't want to get too far into it, but some things like OKRs, for instance, are, are a pretty interesting thing where they're somewhat valuable and also somewhat very unvaluable for small companies. And um, so using the right tools that they provide um, and, and thought, using them thoughtfully is important, I think. What was your, um, I guess, motivation for getting into startup world? Was it something in your background or your family that was entrepreneurial? Uh, was there anything that specifically drew you in? I was a mechanical engineer when I started, um, and being a mechanical engineer in New York City, there are unique opportunities there. Uh, I, I ended up going to Seattle and working for Boeing, and that was a great experience. I really enjoyed it, but I felt a bit like a commodity. And um, for me, getting into startups started right after that, where I wanted to get away. I wanted to be part of something that I felt like I was really able to affect. Um, change within an organization and, and and have a big impact. So I, I ended up going to a company called Right Media, which was a later stage startup in New York. It was one of the earlier ones in 2007. Um, so that, that was really the reason. And that experience was so good that it led me to always kind of search for one and go back to it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so you've your, your background, um, you know, studying your, your uh, profile, you know, you've, you've done a lot of startup work before you joined, uh, moved into, into the Fang, uh, world, uh, maybe talk us through that and, you know, what, what was your incentive or why you wanted to, to, to take that, 
switch from you know startup into to Fang? Yeah, that I mean, a lot of selfish reasons, and I'll, I'll say why in a second. But uh, I have very really strong opinions that you actually should not start your career in big companies. This is where you you go to end your career. It's a great place to retire. Um, like every time that I get like young people who just start their career asking me like, where should they go? Should they go to whatever Facebook and all those big corps, or should they go to startups? My recommendation is always go to startups because this is where we you'll have the chance to learn the most. Um, you'll always also have the chance to fail the most, but like depends what your motivation. And and then I think the question is really what do you, what is your motivation to decide what you want to do next, right? So I started in startups because this is why where I felt belonged at the beginning. But after starting a few companies, I realized that I don't have enough skill set to develop big companies, right? So I decided to join all those like Facebook and Amazon to see like how the best companies in the world really operate uh, in terms of processes, in terms of scale, in terms of like hiring people and pretty much everything in between. Uh, because all you have, uh, if you don't have this kind of perspective, all you know is whatever you learn in, in the startup, which is not a lot in terms of processes, right? Startups are notoriously known for not having process. Um, and process comes with scale usually. So um, I, I felt that I, I always miss this point of like how you scale a company, how a big company operates. What is HR, right? Like what is performance review? Like how those things actually like act? So um, I, 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 I always knew that I want to go back to be a founder and go back to start a company. But I didn't feel that I have enough tools in my position to, to make those companies really big uh, above certain size, right? So I decided to take a break, join all those kind of big, well-known corporations to see how, how they run things. Anything from hiring to firing to, to performance reviews to managing other people um, to email communication and, and everything that you can probably learn in, in corporations. Um, and and all, all my ten- tenure there, I, I knew that I'm going to go back to startups. So I tried to learn as much as possible and kind of read from their book so I can kind of implement it in my book later, uh, later on. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends what your motivation. If your motivation is just paycheck, you should probably stay in, in all those big corporations. If your motivation is um, whatever impact or on your own destiny, you should probably think about startups. Yeah, actually, I was going to say that like people ask me for advice and I, it does depend. I, I give usually the same advice of going to a startup, but I think there are some people who if you just want like a a nice stable job and whatever, like that sort of nine, you know, a schedule, uh, then maybe startups aren't for you. And, you know, you have to be comfortable with constant change and just the, a lot of the, the stuff that comes with being a startup. But at the same time, you do get exposed to so much. And I think that um, a lot of people starting out in their career don't realize like going to a startup, the breadth of like things that you get to interact with and how helpful that can be in you figuring out what you want to do over the long haul, um, get exposed to so much. Whereas if you go to a smaller, uh, a large company, you usually have a much more narrow view of, of the world um, in terms of what your job is day in and day out. Yeah, motivation plays a huge role on, on, on what you want to accomplish, right? If, it's a, if, if you want to increase your, your paycheck or your, your compensation, you better stay in fan, right? They pay the most, you have 100% chance to, to, to have a fat paycheck. Versus mm-hmm. in startups, you have like maybe 1% check, uh, chance to, to have a really big exit or maybe 0.01% to have really large exit. And all the rest, probably you're going to fail, right? So if compensation is, is your first kind of priority, stay in fan. If um, work-life balance is your first priority, definitely <laughs> stay in fan, right? 
uh, <laughs> like you can work really easily there. You have the nine to five. You, nobody betters you on weekends. Again, it depends based on teams, but usually that's the case. Versus in startups, you're probably going to work a lot, right? Especially if you're the founder. <laughs> Uh, there is no nine to five if you're a founder of a startup. Um, so, so ask yourself really what is your motivation? You just is it just an ego trip? Do you want to just like control other people? Well, you can do it in fam, you can do it in startups. It doesn't really matter. Uh, so, look, what is the, the real motivation? Are you super passionate about some field, right? Um, and you can find a job there. So maybe startups is is your place, right? Start a company around that. Um, do you like leading and managing other people? You can do it in fam, you can do it in startups. So. Um, I guess I would start by asking what 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 are you optimizing for and, and go from there. Yeah, I remember when I was leaving Google, I was talking to a few people and I was thinking about going to going to a startup and joining one. And um, so one of the people I spoke with was a, an engineering manager at Google, and he basically said, you know, unless you start your own startup, there is just no monetary <laughs> reason that you would ever um, you know leave Google to to go to another startup and. Running the numbers, it, it, it is absolutely true. So 100% agree with you. Um, it's, it's kind of like you have to be a little bit crazy to go and, and start a startup or to join a startup. But there are really good reasons like the, the work environment, the ability to learn tons of stuff and take on lots of hats and responsibilities. Um, those can kind of serve you later to, to know, you know what it's like to actually run a company end to end. Um, a, a lot more than you would ever get working at a big company where you're kind of just focused on one task over and over. So what I really like about startups is actually that, that core ability, right? Like my job is never the same, um, throughout, throughout like the, the life of a startup. It, it stays the same for like two month increments. And then, you know, I have to find someone who's better than me at that task, hire them and have them do that task. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the mark of a successful startup. If you can, if you can do that. What's the size of Estuary? So we're, I guess we're 12. Count. Yeah, we're 12 people right now. So pretty small. Um, the, the last startup that I ran, we, we scaled to about 35 people before we sold it. The, um, the previous one was about 45. And so, Gave, how, how big is LibLab? Yeah, so we're very small as well, similar size. I'll say, um, again, the company is very, very new, only seven months old. Um, and again, that's a huge contrast to like leading 70 or 80 people that they had in Amazon, right? Um, so for, for me, it was less about the, the, the size of or the number of people that, that I manage and more about the impact owning your destiny, being passionate about what you're doing. And pretty much like um, Dave said before, like the, the fact that your job changes every month or two based on whatever is needed to make the company successful. Those are things that I'm super kind of happy to, to do. Were there things that, you know, you said you joined to, to learn certain, certain areas, you know, kind of observe some other departments. Were there things that you realized that you, you don't want to bring uh, into, uh, into your, your business as it scales? Well, too much of a process, right? Like there is a fine line between process that makes the company more efficient, move forward, uh, kind of standardize things versus like when you start slowing down, right? Uh, so like where you draw the line, it's super important. Obviously when you're a Google size, like you have to have all those processes in place, but by definition, you'll have to move that slow. Right. Um, so you don't want to bring the tool, all the tools that you have in Google or Facebook into a small 10 people company from one hand, but you probably want to take some notes on like how you do performance reviews, right? How you say OKRs, like you can take a lot of really good 
the things that those companies operate by and bring it. So it's really up to you as a founder to decide what, what you want to bring to your company. But the things that help me the most is like how you hire the right people, how you measure uh, success, how you um, help um, talent to kind of progress in their career. And um, those are the things that I really enjoyed uh, learning in all those big established companies that have clear process for that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because that's a that's a common conversation I have. Um I've worked mostly in startups and it's a common conversation is like looking at like, oh, well, Google does this and Amazon does that. It's like, well, but we're not Google or Amazon. Like those processes don't scale down. Like that's like we're too small to do all of that. And we don't have the people necessary to make that work. And, you know, it's like you sort of look at what those companies do. It's good to have it as a goal. Um, I tend to agree with you, but like you have to look and, and pick and choose. And and you mentioned OKRs. I wanted to get back to Dave's point about OKRs because he mentioned it because I've definitely seen them be destructive. Like setting the wrong goals can be very destructive. And I, I want to sort of pull on that thread if you don't mind. Um, back to your point about OKRs. Um, yeah, sorry, or, Dave. Yeah, yeah, because you had mentioned it. Sorry, yeah, in the no very problem. intro. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with OKRs as a startup is they're quarterly it's by definition, <laughs> right? It's... Um, it, and something that you do at a quarterly time period, which is like an extremely long startup time period. Um, and, and throughout that quarter, your, your goals might change. So depending on where you are, right? Like startups span series seed companies to series, uh, you know, C or D companies. And those OKRs start to make a lot more sense as you get further down that, that path. Um, and, and towards, and I do overall appreciate having data-driven metrics that you're, you're tracking and, and, um, and driving your organization around. I think that's absolutely important. We should all be looking at dashboards and we should know exactly what we're trying to optimize for. And our team should do that. And we should know how we personally are going to affect that change. Um, but the, the difficult thing um, with an OKR specifically is, is the time scale. So if, if you can kind of take that and adapt it to a shorter time scale to your team, and, and then it's a lot more useful, I think. Um, and, and I also would say that, uh, just to go back to the initial question that you asked, Sagev, um, my thing that I saw and I really did not want to, I'm now allergic to is, is just politics. Um, no matter what a big organization has lots of politics and they, they tend to just slow your, slow the organization down. It tends to get people focused on the wrong things. Um, and that, that can be, um, you know, politics around performance reviews, politics around that stuff. I, I really do like some of the methods that come out of, of performance reviews by Google and other big companies, but at, at not as long as they're not contributing to internal politics. Hiring the right software engineer doesn't come easy or at an affordable price. As an early stage founder growing quickly, you need strong technical talent without breaking the bank. That's why we created Scale, Hatch IT's flexible recruiting program tailored for startups hiring on a startup budget. Whether you're looking to bring on a new head of engineering or a product manager, Hatch has you covered with dedicated support from seasoned tech recruiters at a fixed monthly cost. Take back the time you've spent sourcing through your own LinkedIn connections and let Hatch handle the heavy lifting of recruiting for you. And while you're at it, give your CFO something to smile about when they're no longer paying for high-priced finder's fees. Visit us at hatchit.io to start hiring on your startup budget today. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, I'll say even in fan companies, like, like 
I, I saw a huge difference between Facebook and, and Amazon, how you evaluate people, how you do the performance reviews, right? Uh, I think there is a spectrum between, uh, I was working in one startup back in the days that I never talked to my boss about performance. Like I had no idea if I'm doing well or, or, or bad. We didn't even have one-on-one, right? Um, on the other end of the spectrum as a manager in Facebook, I used to have twice a year performance review, twice a year uh, mid-cycle review. So pretty much every quarter, I used to have per kind of semi-performance review with, uh, with my engineers back in the days, which was way too much, I think. Uh, so like where you want to be, uh, probably somewhere in the middle, but it's really up to you. Um, but it's really important to, to get different perspective and, and kind of different cultures and, and then decide whatever culture you want to implement for, for your company. Hey, startup techies. Has this podcast inspired you to explore a new startup career opportunity? Then make sure to check out myhatchpad.com slash jobs to browse startups by stage, tech stack, and salary. When you guys are, are hiring, um, you know, because I've talked to a number of founders, uh, you know, kind of sourcing speakers for this, this topic. Uh, and some of the, the themes that come up is, you know, one of the biggest value props of working with one of these large organizations is the, the network that you build uh, and how that impacts different parts of, of your venture. So if that's from hiring, if it's from, you know, ca- capital or connections with, with uh, venture capital, um, what is it uh, that you have seen as maybe some of the the areas that have been um, most impactful in in your business in terms of, for, so for hiring as an example, right? Are there certain departments that you would say, oh yeah, this is great to have this this engineer from Google or or Facebook or what have you? But um, you know, when I'm looking to hire somebody on product marketing, uh, I want somebody who's very specific to maybe my vertical or maybe to this stage of my product. Um, have you have you seen any specific departments where it's good to kind of tap folks that have that are coming from these in bigger environments versus uh, it's really not as relevant? I uh, I think I'm pretty opinionated on this. I think people at Google get so get so highly compensated that it's very difficult to bring them over to a startup, mm-hmm. um, and and that applies to all of the fang companies. Um, and most of the time, it's not worth it, right? Like. It's just not worth trying to bring them over unless they really care about equity and they want to have that journey and they're excited to like, they need that in their lives. Like startup people need to be in a startup and that's how you can lure someone over from, from a thing. Um, except for two people, I think, and, and all of my career, I haven't really drawn on my Google network uh, from to actually do hiring. Um, and those two hires were amazing. I'd hire them again. They actually ended up doing better than they would have at Google, which is you know very surprising. But that's not the case for the most part. That's not what they, you should be expecting. Um, so I think it's it's you know the network is good. It, it opens some doors, especially since other Google people go to other organizations, and you'll end up knowing them and um, being able to potentially work with them and, and other business models. Um, but for me personally, hiring is probably not the one. Hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so, so there are two aspects here, right? For you as a manager, I think, um, as, as a founder, right? It's much, much harder to recruit people to your company, to unknown, unnamed company versus hiring for Google or Facebook or whatever, like big name fan company, right? Uh, it's, it's much harder because nobody heard about you, one. 
uh, you cannot pay as, as much as the big companies too. And let's convince people to, to kind of take a risk on, on whatever you decided to take a risk. That's, like, that's not an easy job. So as a founder, you're going to have hard life coming from Fang, especially as a person who hired for Fang before. Like, it's a whole new level of, of, of skill set that you need to develop, how you, how you approach and find those talents without having hundreds of recruiters behind you, right? But I think to, to the point that uh, Dave said before, which I couldn't agree more, I had really bad experience hiring people who came from fan companies. Um, they're just by definition, if you're in startup, you have to be hungry, right? Whatever the hunger is for, you have to ha- be hungry for success. If coming from Google or Facebook, you will probably have uh, a lot of money. You're well compensated. You you're, have great work-life balance. And I had many cases that I used to call to people um, in the middle of the work, and they're like, they're in the gym, or they're not really working that hard, or they're asking about like perks or benefits that only those fan companies offer. They they really care about the, the the benefits and the compensation, less about the actual work. They're not at hungry. So personally, I, I didn't have any good experience with hiring people from Fang as well. The opposite, I would say, like my superstar engineers or superstar recruits are people who came from known, like unknown companies, government positions, like army, like places that like you will not think about uh, as, as a potential good source for recruitment. Yeah, yeah, we've seen quite uh, the opposite with a number of startups that we've we've worked with that are hiring. They they want to see they want to see engineers that come from Fang environments, and I would say that the you know the the there's two ways of looking at it, right? You can look at from a soft skill perspective of of, of just the person themselves. Like, are they are they willing to take risk? Are they are they uh, able to adapt into a fast you know changing environment and get pulled into different lanes that maybe their job description wasn't all, all centered around. Um, but there is credibility too of, you know, they, that there, there's an argument that, you know, these are companies that hire engineers that, that are trained under some of the best, you know, technologists that have been in the industry. Um, and they want that knowledge brought in because they, they maybe don't have it. Uh, or there could just be the need for like a press release hire, right? Where it's like, Hey, we want our head of engineering to come from, company X because, you know, we need a, a, a round of funding soon and, and they're going to, they're going to see that and say, wow, look at the, you know, this comes with a network. This comes with other things tied to it. So we've seen it two ways, but you know, I, I always think it's interesting in terms of breaking it down by, by role and department too. And, and, and seeing like, is there really a, you know, is there a, a theme here? Um, but that's just kind of what I've seen from. Yeah. Some I part. think it really comes to social proof, right? Like, saying, hey, like we have people come from Google or Facebook, like it helps maybe showing you in some light, right? And I think as a founder or as a recruiter, it just saves you the extra work of figuring out if this person is good or not, right? Like because they were hired by Google, it's probably they, they, they are above the bar for Google, at least. So they should be in some bar for you, right? So it's going to save you the work to, to validate a lot of those assumptions by having like outsourcing it to Google or to Facebook or other companies who already hire them. It's, it's pretty much the same as social proof of, of like hiring people from Ivy League. Oh, they're good enough for Harvard, so they might be good enough for me. So, yes, it, it, it's kind of a shortcut that you're taking. But, and I took that shortcut, but just my experience was not that good. Yeah, I think... So, I'll give, you're, uh, you're an engineering founder, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, so that, so that probably is a reason that you can evaluate engineers pretty well. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to take that shortcut. 
And I have an engineering co-founder as well. So we, we kind of don't have to go that route as well. But it definitely makes it easier. You know, it's a known quantity what you're going to get from, from a Google or a Facebook. They've done all the hard work of, of recruiting and hiring and everything. Um, but it's, it's kind of like overpaying for a commodity, right? <laughs> you're going to... Um, it's, it's a really... The fact that they come with a badge and a stamp um, is a really great thing because you know that what you're getting, but you also are... Everyone else knows what you're getting too. Um, and if you can find pockets where where you can find people that um, that might not have be known, you can help them elevate their careers too. Yeah. So it's kind of win-win. What, what about uh, from a culture perspective, right? Because I think Google is well known for, you know, a, a specific culture and I'm, I'm Facebook, Amazon. I've, you know, I've only heard through the grapevine, but, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks that, where's they coming from Amazon has expressed extreme burnout. Um, you know, and, and so I've, I've seen that, um, flip flop where it's like, you know, if you want Cush stable I and mean, nine to five, like, you know, maybe Fang, when you can't bank, bank it all into Fang, but, um, startup, you know, you're going to need to be used to like long hours, but I've, I've, I've seen the, uh, the flip side of that too, with, with big companies where they will, they will kind of work you, uh, to the bone. Um, but, um, from a culture perspective, were there things that you saw that you felt, um, you know, really created this environment where people felt like, you know, like they were, you know, they were part of something bigger. Um, I think it's easy in startup land to get folks really driven behind the mission, uh, of what you're building. Um, you know, these, these larger tech companies are obviously, you know, impacting massive projects um across different spectrums but um you know i would say startup you know startups maybe have a little bit better of an opportunity of crafting their own specific type of culture but were there things that you picked up that you carried into your your new your, your own venture yeah i think and it could be uh, things that you didn't want to bring to <laughs> um so for sure i i thought that you know, you can make your own way. You can make your own destiny at, at a fang company. You can go the route where you're kind of sitting on your laurels and having a great time. Um, and if you if you really want to be career driven, there's a lot of career driven people. You kind of have to show the metrics that they're looking at and and make sure that you're um, you're going to put those forward. So there there is. Um, you, I think that you actually do have to do work if you if you want to you know do something and, and really go advance, which is important. Um, because you know they're all that you know there's a, there's a huge pay scale difference between the top and the, the bottom within a fang as well. Um, so if you're if you're interested in that, you have to kind of optimize towards it. Um, I think that you can also ha have a mission driven environment within one if you um, if you find the right team. They my experience is that there are lots of sub teams and they have their own different culture. Um, and I think that's probably the case with maybe all things except for Amazon, probably, which is really, you know, dictated on how you're going to, how everything works. Um, but yeah, with, with my experience at Google, at least I, I was able to find a really nice sub team, which was lots of fun to be a part of. We had a mission. Um, we were able to, uh, keep that mission for a while. The, actually the, the issue for us was when we hit a billion dollars in revenue on that sub team. And once that happened, it was like everyone came in 
and wanted to be a part of it because they could see that this was like one of the new newer big things. And that made that's when the politics came in that I was kind of talking about earlier. Um, so it was great until until that I want happened. to jump in on the politics thing, because, Tim, what you're talking about and it's like if I, I do want to give you a chance to talk. But at the same time, I think what leads to a lot of burnout, what I've seen, I don't think it has to do with the startup in the long hours. It's the politics like that's what creates a lot more burnout in my mind is like as an engineer, I don't mind working long hours if I'm working on something I'm enjoying doing and I see the the impact that I'm having. It doesn't even feel like I'm working. I'm just solving problems and getting shit done. Um, where I've seen the most burnout has more to do with all of the stuff that's going around it. Um, and so I don't know that burnout is something that you have to worry about exclusively at startups or exclusively at a large company. I think it's it's really based on the environment and, and how frustrating it is to get something done. Um, that's, you know, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, Sahib, uh, Dave, what you thought, you know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that the terms work-life balance, everybody like define it differently, right? Uh, I saw people who got burned out working nine to five with massage chair, right? Like, <laughs> do, you, do you call it a bad work-life balance? I have no idea, right? And, and I worked with uh, amazing people in startups that work like, I don't know, 12, 14 hours a day, and they felt energized and happy and they couldn't feel better than that, right? right? So like a lot of people, especially in FANG, fang um, work-life balance is, is a synonym for, for like how long you work. But I really don't see a connection between how long you work and how, like, how it actually affects your work-life balance, right? So I think the question is, like, do you enjoy working on whatever you're working, right? Because if you are, um, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine no matter how long you're going to work on it. And the opposite, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, once, once the clock hits 5 o'clock, like, even if it's 5 or 1, you will feel dragged, right? So, like, ask yourself, are, are you enjoying working on whatever you're doing? I, I usually tend to see people who work in startups really enjoying that. Otherwise, they will not be there, right? Uh, so, they really don't pay attention to the clock. Versus people in FANG, just they're mercenaries, right? Like, they're here for the 9 to 5. And if you ask them to, to stay a minute longer, they, they, they will feel bad. Well, I'll say mercenary mm -hmm. doesn't last long in a startup either. They're usually a one of the first ones identified as just not getting stuff done or, or whatever it is. It's just or the value prop just isn't there. Um, so I think there's there's also that aspect of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the mercenary versus missionary. Really. We always talk about it. And, and I think a, a better approach would be like, are you a pirate or, or you want to join the Navy? <laughs> right. Like each one has different skill sets. Each one like enjoy doing other stuff. Uh, if you if you like to jump between ships and, and kind of be creative, go be a pirate, right? Like rob some ships. If you like want the, the process and the uniforms, go join the Navy. I like that analogy. I yeah, might have yeah, to steal I that. <laughs> <laughs> True pirate. Um, I'm curious, just, uh, you know, when you talked about, you know, obviously we break down like different projects that you work on in these, in these big bang environments. Did, Sagib, did you have a chance to uh, kind of, you know, de determine the type of project that you wanted to work on when you're going through the interview process with, with some of those companies or, or you interviewed for a slot and there was a designated project? I'm curious on how, how that worked. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's a tip that I can give for the future founders here who want to join FANG. Like mm -hmm. When I joined FANG, I already knew that I'm going to start my own company right after, right? So I just joined to, to, to learn how, how big companies operate. So for instance, when I joined Amazon, they offered me a few teams, right? And the way I evaluated which team I want to join to 
is I ask myself, I ask myself which team will give me the most benefits when I start my own company. So for instance, one of the teams that I ended up joining to is super relevant to the company that I started later mm-hmm. on, right? So like, even when I joined, I already knew the company that I want to start and I chose my team based on that. So if you already know you want to start your own company, try to kind of navigate your career or that the, the teams you're going to be working at uh, based on that. So for instance, you are, you're super passionate about whatever, machine learning. Try to get to one of those machine learning teams in, in one of the fan companies. If you're passionate about consumer-facing apps, Try to use Instagram or whatever, like join the, the consumer-facing um, teams. Um, so ask yourself what you're passionate about or what company you want to start one day. Maybe try to navigate your way inside those organizations to one of those. That's really, really good intel. I, I, you know, one of the other you know, founders that we spoke to um, had some exposure to a, a specific you know, zero to one kind of project where, uh, you know, within you know, Uber or what have you. and um, that was super, super uh, valuable, you know, experience when starting his next thing because, you know, hadn't really had that exposure before, but you kind of got the guardrails of working in a big environment and the cushion of stability, even though you had a sandbox to play in for this zero to one experiment. And so I think that was, um, you know, kind of when you, when you're explaining that, you know, that's, that's the type of stuff that I would say like, yeah, if I'm looking to be a founder at some point, um, I want that experience specifically, and I'm going to negotiate to try to identify that type of a project um, within a bigger company. Um, yeah, really creative. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I think that's probably going to wrap up the the main uh, topic uh, for today. But we do have the the community wheel behind us that we spin out here to uh, uh, get some some additional kind of career growth questions going from um, topics that are crowdsourced from our Hatchpad community. So I'm going to give it a spin here and see what we land on. Let's round it out. Compensation. Bidding. All right. Let's see here. Um, this kind of plays into what we're talking about with regards to, you know, look, a startup isn't, isn't going to be your spot here to match up base for base um, in comparison to a FANG comp. Um, so what is it, you know, as founders that you all bring to the table when you're, when you're negotiating comp with, with somebody who's clearly coming in at a range that's beyond what you have slotted. Um, what are those, those benefits that you propose um, when you're negotiating comp? Uh, Steve, why don't you, you want to kick it off? Sure. So, so I think you will, like, if you try to compete with the, the Facebook and Amazon of the world, like, you will run out of funding very soon, right? So like, don't even try. Uh, so then ask yourself, what, what is your competitive advantage over that? Uh, because at the end of the day, it comes, I'm going back to the same kind of point, but like, at the end, it comes to the motivation of who want, who, who you want to join to your company. If you want them to join just for the comps, you probably don't want them to join because the second they will get a better offer, they will move somewhere else, or they will probably not feel com- compensated enough, right? Because they can get probably more in, in fan. Um, so I think your, your advantage or your leverage is one on the equity side, right? stock options or whatever, whatever you want to offer them. You want, you want to offer them the success and the upside. They probably find cannot. Obviously, there is a lot of risk with that. But the upside is much larger than whatever you, you can get with established IPO company, right? So that's, that's one thing. And I think I, I don't want to put it under comp, but I will put it on, on, on like 
um, benefits that startups can offer that big companies cannot, which is, again, the growth, the learning opportunities, the dealing with whatever you're actually passionate about versus being slatted to, to a specific role, right? Um, so I think like when people are really passionate and motivated by that, they will be a great fit for startups, right? If they're only come for the comps, they will probably leave really soon. That's uh, pretty aligned with what I would say, but um, I think I'd also suggest that um, people who come to a startup are kind of coming for the founders at some level, at least at the stage that we're at. And um, I think that's that's something that you can kind of sell. You can sell the, not just the company, but the, where we're going. Um, and in addition to that, so that's obviously selling equity. Um, but in addition to that, um, I think that it's it's really important for um, us to be able to help them grow if they have ambitions to be a startup founder at some point in their life. Um, so there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from just on the reciprocal of joining a fang to learn lessons so that you can start a startup. You should also start a, join a startup to learn lessons to join a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are like equity-based lessons. How do you how do you actually hire talent? How do you you know with the restrictions that you actually have being a startup? Um, you you need to learn how to be strategic in your space. You don't have unlimited money. How do you how do you unlike the fangs prioritize customer experience and prioritize um, customer um, growth and, and and really be customer oriented. Um, so a lot of those lessons I think you can learn at a, uniquely at a startup. I um yes yeah, I, say, I think because right you can't win on compensation so obviously you're not really talking about oh come here to make a lot of money maybe options do this do that um, I usually focus really on agency right like we're a startup um, I only have so many people you're going to be a, a substantial percentage of the team. Uh, I'm going to rely on you to make decisions. I'm going to rely on you to, you know, whatever level you're going to have a lot more freedom um, and a lot of ability to decide to make those decisions. And and um, I think that if that's something that's attractive to somebody, like it's one of those, like it's a self-selector. If that if that scares you, then maybe this isn't the right opportunity. If you want to come in and be told what to do every day, don't come work for me. Um, but if you want to come in and me tell you, like, I don't know, we need to go take that hill. You figure it out. And that's exciting to you. like that's awesome. And, and that's the type of person I want to work with. And I think that that those types of conversations, it's really about like that more than compensation specifically, because you're never going to win on money. Yeah. And once someone experiences that, it's kind of addictive, right? Being able to make decisions yourself and not have to run them up to 10 right, people. And get sign off from three other people who you're not even sure why they're weighing in on this decision. <laughs> And I'll, you know, I'll kind of throw out the elephant in the room. The remote work has completely disrupted, um, you know, access to talent that, you know, most companies never had access to before. And, you know, we have seen a, a shift in startups trying to figure out, you know, how to best, you know, uh, roll out hybrid uh, remote work, right? Because there's, there's a, everybody's kind of got their own definition of it. But the reality is, you know, the more that companies do require the their employees to be in office, and I'm I would say specifically engineers here at this point, um, there's a huge kickback on it. We see it every day uh, that we talk to engineers that are uh, considering opportunities, and um, you know, each day that you add into the week, that's 
coming into the office is one more ding uh, against you in terms of you know they've already gone the full the full you know remote uh, uh, philosophy right so they've experienced it and to have it to go back has been a real big challenge uh, that we've seen for hiring uh, specifically and so. Uh, using that as a carrot, um, you know, and coming up with creative ways to still try to get folks together, uh, if that's through retreats or if it's through, you know, some sort of a satellite office that they can bounce to and you can meet with them, um, that's going to be uh, something that you'll be able to, to leverage over comp um, because that goes back into that work-life balance of, of now this is how folks have adapted to a new lifestyle. Uh, to change it these days, it's really challenging. So. Um, I'd say that's that's one that that we always hear uh, or we recommend um, is trying to keep that as a as a an outlet now when you're negotiating. So, um, but that's that's uh, pretty much all we got, guys. Any, anything uh, closing statements you want to give, or also this is a good outlet to you know if you want to promote um, any areas on social or if you know if you all are specifically hiring yourselves, so you have, you know go ahead and shout it out now and um, and then we can kind of wrap. Sure, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this has been a, a fun conversation. Um, for sure. As far as hiring goes, we, we are ap- actively hiring. We're actively hiring remote positions for developer relations and, um, and engineering mostly. So we're definitely looking for, for good and talented engineers. Good stuff. Yeah, just um, we're hiring as well. Uh, go to liblab.com. You'll find me. You'll find the positions that we have available, mostly engineers or technical fields. Um, in terms of last tip, I would say if you do want to start a startup one day, um, when you go to a fan company, try to be a manager. Uh, it, because starting a company requires management skills. And you can be an amazing engineer. You can be an amazing uh, product manager or whatever, like whatever IC role you, you started at. But you have to learn how to manage other people. And you probably don't want to learn it when you start your first company, right? If you can learn in someone else's dime, that's much better. So I will highly suggest get some management experience before you start a company. Uh, that's my, my, my last tip for today. Yeah, well said. Thanks again, guys, for joining us. It's been a good time. Thank you. Thanks. Are you a startup founder or tech leader looking to grow your engineering or product teams? If so, Hatch IT could be a partner worth exploring. We've helped hundreds of startups scale their tech teams with relational and marketing-driven recruiting solutions. Check out hatchit.io hire to learn more about how we can help your teams grow.